The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Good morning. I am so thankful and so grateful to be here with you today. And uh, I just want you to know that last week, when we were not here, I really missed all of you. So I am thankful to be here today. Um, I just, I just need to move on. <laughs> um, so I am going to be praying here in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to let you know where I'm going today, all right? I'm going to tell you a story. This story comes from the Old Testament book of Ruth. And uh, I am going to be talking about a character there. Her name is Naomi. And for uh, uh, I'm talking about Naomi, she had a dream. She had a picture of what life should be like. And she was living that dream out. She was living that picture out. Oh my, she was. And in the process of doing that, the dream and the picture that she got was shattered. So we are going to be looking at that and we're also going to be looking at the goodness of God, the favor of God, the love of God. Sometimes we don't see those things, guys. But God is consistently and constantly at work in our lives for good and not evil. So, Father, we are thankful and we are grateful for this day. We are thankful and grateful for your loving kindness and for your mercy. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. Father, we pray now that you would come and soften our hearts, make it good soil, that we might hear what you have to say today. Give us ears to hear hearts to listen to. Father, we are thankful and grateful again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my name is Naomi, and I am here to tell you about my story. My story begins just like your story begins just like the dream that you've had when you were growing up. I was born in Bethlehem. Mom and dad took care of me and loved me deeply. And because of that, I was able to picture what I wanted my life to be. And that became my dream. It's probably no different than yours. You know, I dreamed that I would grow up someday and that I would get married. Now, 
before you go any further and think about your dreams, I just want you to know this, that when I would dream about getting married, oh my goodness, I wasn't going to settle for, none, some, for some little two-bit little, little nothing. I wasn't settling for that. I wanted the real deal, a hunk. Somebody that I could look up to. Someone, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted somebody that I could look up to. I wanted somebody that I could count on. I wanted a hard-working man. That's what I wanted. And not only hard-working, but good-looking. Oh, my. Good-looking. That's what I wanted. And I thought we would have good-looking kids. I didn't know how many I wanted, but I just knew I wanted them to be good-looking kids. And then on top of that, I wanted to be surrounded by my family. I wanted to be surrounded by my friends. And I wanted to be surrounded by the folk in the synagogue that I attended, our local church. I wanted to spend the rest of my life like that. Well, you know what? I actually started out like that. And that was a really good thing. I married Eliminek. Oh, he was, oh my, let me, let me just say this. Let me just back up and say this again. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. And I liked the fact that he was hardworking. You know why? Because when he would roll up that long, roll that long sleeve, and I seen them guns there that were just sitting there, I was just like, we didn't even have guns back then. I just thought he was the best thing since soft butter. Oh, my. And then when we had kids, Killian and Malon, when we had those two little boys like that, oh, we were the cutest family that ever walked the face of this earth. And, of course, I was in church faithfully. I would attend and be a part of things. And the community and the family that we lived in, I mean, it was like dinner every week. We just really had a good time. And then it changed. I was living my dream. I had everything I wanted. And then it changed. There was a famine that came into the land. Bethlehem is where we lived. We made it through the first year okay, but the famine got worse. And at the end of the second year, Elimelech came in and he told me, he said, Honey, Naomi, we don't have enough to pay our bills. We barely have enough food, and sometimes we don't even have enough food to put on the table for us and the kids. And we don't have enough food for our animals. We got to come up with a different plan. So I asked him, just point blank, I looked him up straight up in his eyes, and I said, honey, have you been praying? Have you been talking to God about this? And he said, yes, I have. I said, well, what does God say? Well, this is what he says. He says that we should move to Moab. 
I said, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> That's not what my God told me. And I know we had the same God. So you're, you're hearing some voice. That must have happened after you had some of my hot food. He said, no, I, I really think that we should go to Moab. Honey, you're wrong. In fact, I'm just going to tell you up front. I know that I'm, I'm supposed to do what you asked me to do. But no, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not leaving my family. I'm not leaving my friends. I'm not leaving our church. So if you want to go, you just go on ahead and go. But I'm telling you, that's not the voice of God. And he said, honey. And then, and then he took my hand. He, he, just, he just grabbed my hand. And I knew I was done then. Because he grabbed my hand. And then, and, then, and then he put that extra little twist on that. He started patting my hand. And he said, honey, Naomi, do you remember what your name means? And I had to just hang my head. It means pleasantness. And it means sweet. You're so pleasant all the time. He had a big smile on his face when he said that. He just running me over. And he was just patting my hand. And he says, you're pleasant and you're sweet, honey. You just keep being pleasant and sweet and you'll be okay. And just listen to me. I was hearing the guys down in the market talk about going to Moab. I think we should go. I just had to pull my hand away because I was about ready to fall into his trap and I didn't want to do that. So I had to pull my hand away. I just got up and walked out of the room, shut the door behind me. And then I just sat and I cried. I didn't want to leave. That didn't fit my dream. That wasn't my picture. I wanted to stay here. My boys were getting close to the age of getting married and we, I already had their wives picked out for them. I didn't want to go. God, if you really are there, why are you doing this to us? Why did you cause the sky not to bring rain? Why did you cause the, car, the, the ground to get hard? I don't want to leave, God. I don't think that's in your plan. As time went on, Elimelech, he would come and put his arm around me. And he would tell me it's going to be okay. And then he would say, honey, I think we need to go to Moab. So eventually I said yes. And the thing that made me say yes is because I realized that this was just going to be an adventure. Just a great adventure. Something that I've never experienced before. A different culture. To be around different people. And so we got ourselves packed up and and on the trip, we made this an adventure. We stopped in different places. It's 100 miles, but we made record time. We got there in about five, maybe six days. We were on the adventure of our life. Different kinds of food, different scenery, people that I'd never met before. Oh, scenery that was different from ours. Now, I did not like the idea of their, their, their little gods and stuff. I, I, I didn't want to mess with that. I, I was happy with the God that I have, uh, except for this 
this whole thing. We got there and things seemed to be working out and doing okay. And then one morning I got up and the limo, 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 I'm just going to say E. (laughs) That's what I would say to him. And then I would kind of touch his balding head a little bit. When E woke up that day, he couldn't get out of bed. And so then I started taking care of him. And two or three days later, he died. And I was so mad at God. I was so hurt by God. This was not in my plan. This was not my dream. This was not my hope. This is not what I wanted. This is not, this was not supposed to happen, guys. And my dreams began to shatter around me. I just talked to God one night and I said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? I told you that I didn't want to come to Moab and I come to Moab and my husband dies. Why, God? Why? And then I would stop for about two seconds and I wouldn't hear anything. And then I would start back up again. God, why are you doing this to me? Did you just create me so that bad things could happen? You just needed somebody to have more bad things happen to him, so that's why you created me? The only thing that kept me going are my two boys. That was the only thing that kept me going. And so... We sort of, in a way, kind of, but not very much, but a little bit, but really not really. I began to recover from missing E. And my boys, they got married. They married people from Moab. That was almost the final straw, except for my boys were taking care of me the best that they could. What do you mean they got married to people from Moab? That's what I mean they did. We, I had, I had brides picked out for them. I, I had a plan for their grandkids that they were going to have. I had this all pictured out. My dream was just steps away from being fulfilled. And then we moved here to Moab. The women that they married, Orpah and Ruth. You know, just to be honest with you, for being Moabites, they they were pretty good, actually. I don't want to admit that because the women in Bethlehem were just so much better. I tried telling my boys that, and they just looked at me and said, Mom, zip it. They were taking care of me, so we just went along together. And a little bit of time went by, and my boys died. Just like that. They died. And I thought that my dreams, which I still had some hope of having 
some pieces to it shattered completely. I was so bitter. I was so upset with God. I was so mad at him. I thought he was fighting against me. I thought he didn't like me. I took it personally. Why are you causing all this mess to just be dumped on me? This all happened within a 10-year period. I was crushed. There were days when I couldn't get out of bed. There were days when I couldn't cook. If it weren't for my two daughter-in-laws, I don't think I would have made it, but I didn't want to acknowledge that because they weren't from Bethlehem. And then one day I was down in the market and somebody from Israel had come through and they talked about how God was smiling upon his people again and how water was falling from the sky and the ground which had been hard was now beginning to soften and that there was food in the land of Bethlehem again. So I came home. I didn't even bother to talk to God about it. I was done with him. I was just thinking, if you're going to be mad at me and dump all this stuff on me, then I'll show you who can be even more mad than you. Yeah, I talked to the Almighty like that. I talked to... I, I, I talked to Yahweh like that. Because I didn't care. Because I thought he didn't care about me, so I was just letting him know that I don't care about you. So I just told God, the Almighty One, the King, I just told him, I'm going back to Bethlehem, and you ain't got nothing to say about it. So one day I told the girls, I said, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And they looked at me, and then they said, well, if you go, we go. I said, fine, it doesn't matter to me. I just had an edge to me. Sometimes if you said the sky is blue, I'd say, no, it's not. Just because I had an edge to me. So we packed up our stuff, and we started walking, and, and we started leaving, and, and we got almost to the highway, and, and, and I, just, I just couldn't have them come along. There was, I couldn't take care of them. I couldn't make sure that they'd be safe. I didn't even know if I was going to make it on this trip with this highway with all these terrible, horrible, awful people and not with Yahweh watching over me and taking care of me. I had no guarantees of anything. All I knew is that I couldn't stay here any longer and I got to go. And so that's what I did. We went. And when we got to the highway, I just stopped. The girls kept walking and then they finally realized that I wasn't with them. They came back and they said, what's, what's up, Mom? I said, you know what, you guys need to go back home because I can't help you. I can't do anything for you. You, you. you just need to go back home. Really? Home? You are our home. She said, no. I said, even if I was to get married today, <laughs> too old for that. But even if I was to get married today, 
you know what? I am not going to have kids, and then you're not going to wait 20 or 30 years for them kids to grow up so that you can marry them. You need to go home. You need to go to your mother's house where they can keep you safe and secure and where you can find another husband. So Orpa, she kissed me, and she turned and she laughed. But Ruth just steadily looked at me in my eyes, and she said, Mom, we're not going. I want to read to you. I'm calling this my book of remembrance. And the reason I call it that is because I have written down my story, and sometimes I've gone into great detail. And I just want to make sure that I get this right. This is what she said to me, because this, this was the beginning of my life changing course. So this is what I did. She said to me, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I will go. And where you live, I will live. You are my people. And your God, he is my God. And where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me, God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. And when she said that, something inside me began to crack. Something inside me began to break. I wanted to be mad, I wanted to holler at her, I wanted to scream at her, but I, 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 I just couldn't. So I just turned my back and I started walking and she got right in step with me. And we went towards Bethlehem. It took us seven days to do that trip, 100 miles. And during that time, I did not speak to her hardly ever at all. I was quiet, I was silent. I was still mad at God and I was trying so hard to hold on to that because I was still being convinced that he didn't love me. One day I was getting ready to go to bed and I was thinking about what Ruth had said and God spoke to me. And this is what he said. He said, when Ruth told you what she told you on the road there, that was me speaking through her to tell you about me. And this is, what he, this is what he said. I'm telling you, me, Yahweh, God, God Almighty, King, this is what I'm telling you. Don't force me, Naomi, to leave you. Don't make me go away from you. Because where you go, I go. I've been with you this whole time. I have never, ever left you. I've never left your side. 
oh, I know you've been through all these hard times and I don't, I don't want to seem to be trivial and minimizing that. My goodness, you lost your husband, the love of your life. You lost your boys. You lost your, you lost your food. You lost your friends. You lost your community. But I've always been right beside you. I've never left you nor forsaken you. Even in your darkest day, I was the one holding your hand. I held to you tightly, even though you didn't notice that. And I'm telling you now, I'm making this promise now. Even death won't separate us. My heart really began to melt. Well, we got to Bethlehem, all right. And when we came into the city, people stopped in the streets as we were walking to our old house. They stopped and they looked and then they gathered around and then they said, you're Naomi, you're Naomi. We are so happy to see you. We've been praying for you and praying about you. Even though you've been gone so long, long we've never forgotten about you, wanted to know how you're doing. And now we actually see you. And I had to just step up and say, uh-uh, don't do that. Stop that. No, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Bitter. Because the Almighty, he's been fighting against me. He's hit me. He's knocked me down. I ain't got no husband. I ain't got no sons anymore. I left this place and I was full of life and I'm returning and I'm empty. I have nothing. Do not call me Naomi because I am not pleasant and I am not sweet. Leave me alone. Get out of my way. So we walked on to the house. It was in shambles. We started putting it back together. We had enough food to take us for another two or three days. And when that ended up, Ruth came to me and she said, Mom, I'm going to go out and see if I can't find a job. I'm going to find somebody's field and hopefully they'll let me come and pick up the scraps in that field. Yes, my daughter, why don't you do that? Something had changed on the inside of me. This was the first time that I'd called her my daughter, not daughter-in-law, but she's my daughter. And she's been taking care of me. And she's watched over me. And even, even when the boys died, she didn't leave me. Maybe that's what God was talking about that she was an answer to my unsaid prayers. This is how God was working to keep me going one foot at a time. I thought about that all day. And then as it got close to dark, I realized she still wasn't back and I feared the worst. I felt like, oh my goodness, something bad, terrible was gonna happen to her. We got such terrible, mean people going on here. I don't know. I hope she's safe. I hope she makes it okay. And then she came through the door. And I said, daughter, tell me, is everything okay? And when she came in the door, she had this big sack 
two sacks of stuff. And I said, what's in those sacks? She said, this is what I got today. We got enough food to take us, what, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. Ah, the way you eat, probably just a week and a half. She said, I got all this stuff right here. Well, where did you get that? From the field that I worked in. They even gave me lunch, and I brought home the leftover that I had. Well, where did you work? The person that I worked with, his name is Boaz. He was so nice and friendly to me, and she... I just stopped. I just stopped. Boaz. Well, he's one of our kinsmen redeemers. And then again, because I, I, I don't want you to miss this. Let me just let me turn in my book of remembrance here. This is what he said. This is what Ruth told me. She told me about Boaz, and then my response to that was this. God, bless that man. And then I looked at her, and I said, you know what? It's the first time I'd said this. I'd never said this, especially since them dark days. I said, God hasn't quite walked out on us yet. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. And when I said that out loud, something on the inside of me just broke again, broke wide open. And I felt a release that I hadn't had before. And you know what? I could tell there was a change. And that change, I could tell because now I cared about other people. I cared about my daughter, Ruth. Oh my goodness, I hadn't cared about anybody in so long, I can't even remember when. And I began to change, and she began to stay at work, and she began to support us and take care of us, and she continued to live with me. She doing well enough that she could have supported me, got her own little place to live, and had her own little thing going on, but no, she came faithfully home every night. And we would talk, and we would pray, and we would laugh, and we would cry. And then one day, when she went to work, and, and I was talking to God, and I said, okay, God, since I'm better now, uh, let me tell you what here. I got a plan. I got a dream. We're going to get this little girl of mine, Ruth, my daughter. We're going to get her married, God. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm wanting you to get on board, but this is how we're going to do it. So I told God what I was going to do, and I just heard him laugh. And then he said, okay, that's fine. I couldn't do it any better myself. So when Ruth came in, I looked at her, and I said, honey, don't you think it's about time we find you a man? Not just any old man, but the best man around. Doesn't matter how old or how young he is, we're going to get you a man. Are you up for that? She couldn't even speak. She's not thinking about no man. She got to take care of me. She didn't have that thought at all. And then I looked at her. And she said, well, Mom, I, that, that, that's nice, but I don't know how to do that. How do you get a man? 
So I said, I'm glad you asked. And I got up in her face and I said, listen here. And I'm giving you guys the same advice today. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. This is how you get somebody. Man or woman, it works all the time. I put it back in my recipe book. So I'm giving you the recipe to this. Are you ready? You should be writing this down. All right? This is what you do. Take a bath. (laughs) Don't want no stinky around here. You know what else you got to do? Smell good. Yeah. Don't be buying that 99 cent stuff. (laughs) Don't be buying that deodorant stuff. Go out and spend some money and smell good. Yeah. And then come up to them, male or female, it don't matter. Put your hands on your hips and say, We're not going to do any of that messing around stuff. I'm serious. So what that looked like for her, I told her, go sleep at his feet. He'll get the idea real quick. I said that to her because I trusted her. I know she wasn't going to do any of that hanky-panky stuff. And she looked at me, and she said, you really think I should do that? Yeah. Well, who is this guy anyway? Boy. Boaz, ah, don't do it, don't say it, just nod your head yes. Okay, so that's what she did, and guess what? I knew it would. It worked like a charm. (laughs) Boaz never seen it coming. He had no idea what hit. Oh my goodness, he just. Lay to the side like that. He was done. He was smitten. Oh, my goodness. So they got married. They got married. And guess what? They had a kid. And guess what? That kid was called Obed, and I took care of him. I carried him around with me. It was as if he was my own child. And every once in a while, somebody would come up and remind me when I was rocking little Obedo. They'd come up and they'd rock and, 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 and they'd say, that daughter-in-law of yours, Ruth, she's worth better than seven sons to you. Oh, yes, she is. And then Obed grew up and he had a son. And when he had that son, they named him Jesse. Oh, yeah. And Jesse, get this, Jesse had David. Whoa! Jackpot. David, best king the world has ever seen. Except for, guess who came out of Jesse's loins? David. And guess who came out of David's loins way down the road? Jesus! Whoa! Jesus did. And I had a part to play in all of that. 
I thought my dreams were shattered and gone. I'm thinking some of you have had dreams, you've had hopes, and life happened to you, the, the life that you hadn't planned on. And you lost your way. You didn't know what to do. You were bitter at God Almighty. You thought he was fighting against you, but all that time he was fighting with you. He sent provision that you didn't see or understand. He did things that caused doors to open that you didn't even know were being opened for you. He was walking with you all along. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants you. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. And his plan will not be stopped. He wants you to be a part of big things, whatever that looks like. He loves you and cares for you. And he showed that love and caring to me. I'm going to pray over you all. and bless you. And after I pray over you all, Pastor Sean is going to come up. When he comes up, I'm wanting you to listen to him. Because just like Ruth was God's arm reaching out to me, he's going to be saying some things that will be reaching out to you through Pastor Sean. God loves you dearly. Let's pray. I speak the name of Jesus over you in your hurting and in your sorrow. I will ask my God to move. I speak the name of Jesus because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven for you and with you. And I will pray this for you. I pray for your healing. I pray that your circumstances would change. I pray that the fear that's inside of you would flee in the name of Jesus. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. And it's in his name. I speak the authority, all authority which comes from God over you. And I declare blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing. I declare every promise that the word gives to you. And I can do this because I know our God is faithful. He is faithful to keep every word. I speak the name Jesus and no grave could ever hold him. He is greater. He is stronger. He is the God of possible. Again, I am praying for your healing, that circumstances would change. I'm praying for the fear that's inside of you that it would flee in Jesus' name. I pray a breakthrough would happen to you today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. Father, we bless your people Regardless of where they're at, whether they're at work, Father, bless them. Whether they're in the fields, bless them. Whether they're at play, bless them. In their going out, bless them. In their coming in, 
Bless them, Father. I pray that as you look upon them, that your face would radiate with joy because of them. I pray, Father, that you would give them your peace. Show them your strength. Let them know that you are hand in hand with them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.